Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our privilege to have you with us for this hour. Please stay with us. We are again endeavor to open the Bible, still in the book of Psalms. And today we are going to look at a very important um, topic, wisdom for righteous living. I'd like to say hello to our panel, and uh, it's good to have with us today, Denise. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. And hello, Len. It's good to have you with us, too. Hello, listeners. We're glad you've joined us. Joe, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure, Nick. Great to be here. Hi, Lija. It's good to have you part of this. Very glad to be again on the Bible study. And I'd like to say hello to Naomi. She's the first time with us. And she's also our facilitator. Naomi, thank you so much for um, putting together this. Uh, you are going to facilitate this discussion. I would love even you to introduce yourself a bit and maybe say a few words about yourself. I know that you moved to South Australia from uh, Western Australia. Australia. And uh, you are here to do some uh, work. Can you tell us just in a couple of words about yourself and maybe just say what you're doing here? Yes, I'm really blessed to have been invited to work here at the South Australian Conference. And um, myself and Emily Sawyer, uh, we've been invited here to be Bible workers in the west of um, of Adelaide, which is a real blessing. And um, so, yes, I've come from Western Australia, from Perth, and I've been here. This is my third week. So thanks, everybody, for inviting me. And um, we've got a wonderful study. Today we're talking about is wisdom for righteous living. And um, it's a really powerful message that we want to talk about. And we're really lucky to have um, our panel here with us uh, of Joe, Denise, and uh, Len and Lija and, and uh, Nick. So we're going to open now with prayers. Nick, would you pray for us? Sure, Thank let's you. pray. Father in heaven, we pause for a few moments here. First of all, to thank you so much for the great God you are. You are the creator and sustainer of all things. And you help us, Lord, to cope with all the challenges of the day. But today, Lord, uh, you inviting us to learn a bit more how to have wisdom and wisdom from you to be able to live a righteous life in this troublous world. Please help us, Lord, as we put together this program uh, and bless our listeners, Lord, and help us, Lord, to uh, take at heart the message which will come from you through the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'd like to ask Len, first of all, what is wisdom? Well, I say that when people get older, they get more wisdom, but I'm not so sure. Well, wisdom and knowledge are closely related, but they're definitely not the same. Wisdom is the ability to discern or judge what is true or right or lasting. Knowledge, on the other hand, is information. So really what you could say is wisdom is the best use of knowledge. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then in the same book, Proverbs chapter 9, verses 10 to 12, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
and it goes on to say a few other things. So both of those texts proclaim that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and or knowledge. question is, what's the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is respect and obedience to the Lord. So what's the big deal with this? Well, it's simply this, that through the study of God's word and accepting Jesus as our saviour, we have the opportunity to have eternal life. So there's a bit of a difference between wisdom and knowledge in worldly things and wisdom and knowledge in spiritual things. You can be wise in worldly things, but they won't have any long-lasting benefit. They'll only last while you're alive here on this earth and then it's all over, Red Rover. So as Christians, that wisdom being the application of the knowledge of what we learn from God's word, we can... um, we can have, we have the opportunity to have eternal life. In John chapter 10, I think it is, it talks about God's testimony. God's testimony is this, that we may have eternal life, and that is obtained through his Son, namely Jesus. So it's good to have both wisdom and knowledge, and of course, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. And if I could add uh, there, Len, uh, yeah, it's true how the Bible puts it, that wisdom of this world is foolishness. Mm. But the true wisdom is actually the fear of the Lord, Mm. which means to know God, to give yourself to God, to allow him to work in you, his plan and the wisdom which comes from above is, you know, pure. It's something which you cannot gain on this world, even though you may go to all the universities of the world. That's why I love us to think of this, that God is the one who gives us wisdom. And how do we know that? Or how do we know God? Through his word. We invite you, my dear friend, today to search the word. And, you know, you can be part of this program today. You just need to send us a text message to 0482098383. Please have this number saved because we'll come with the offer a bit later. I'd just like to say this. My neighbor who lives across the street is uh, a lawyer. He's not just a lawyer, he's a barrister. And he has studied, he's also, uh, he's, I don't know what you, what degree you get to be a chemist, but he's a fully qualified chemist. He's got heaps of knowledge. And he's a really nice guy. I'm not going to divulge his name, but, um, you know, there's one difference. He doesn't have the knowledge of God's word. Mm -hmm. And 
having the knowledge of God's word and of Jesus who died for us that we might have eternal life, he won't have that opportunity unless he uh, opens God's word and finds it. Mm, And that's wonderful that you say that because I really liked how you were talking about that um, all of these things are available to us, the wisdom from God, uh, Len, um, if we have, because we have the opportunity for eternal life. So I'd like to um, have us think about that and perhaps that's something we can we can um, answer a little bit later of what is that opportunity. But we'll go now to Leija. What does it mean to number our days? Why is this crucial for us as Christians? Well, if we read in Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So our life, human life, compared with divine time, flies away like this. It's like a vapor in the light of eternity. And the wisdom that we need is knowing that how to number our days to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. So if we can number our days, it means that we have wisdom to live wisely. And living wisely, it means that we live with an uh, awareness of life transience that leads to faith and obedience and uh, to live with wisdom and knowledge from God. I think um, when it says that we should learn to number our days simply means to take stock of our lives. You know, if you have a business, uh, every year the uh, is, it's necessary to do a stock take. How much of this is sold, how much of it is left, etc., etc. And I think it's necessary for us to consider our lives. Where are our lives going? What am I doing? Am I just drifting along or have I got some goals? And all this is part of this business about numbering our days, having a self-assessment and realising that um, we're not going to live forever unless, of course, we accept Jesus Christ into our lives. I think also that um, looking at the brevity of life, some people look at that, take stock of that, and then they decide they're going to jam-pack it with all the fun that they can. Mm. You know, we're going to go on this holiday, two holidays a year, we're going to drink, we're going to party. We, You know, this is the worldly approach to dealing with the brevity of life. But the second part says that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So the purpose, the purpose of um, numbering our days in the sense that we are conscious of how fleeting they are and how quickly time passes by, how a decade just is, like Lydia said, a vapour, you know, that we may gain that heart of wisdom, Mm. that we may put that time to good use, that we may become wiser and not wise in our own eyes because it's easy to get wise in one's own eyes, but to gain that heart that seeks God a wisdom that reaches out to God and follows him. Correct. That's very good, Joe. because I was reading this morning and also, and I was listening on the amazing facts and they're, they're, what they were saying about this is if the numbering of our days is about, just as you've all said, about looking at, at what we are doing 
And within that, he added also, when are we witnessing to others? Um, so not only will the book of life they were talking about will show what we did do in terms of our, our wisdom and our um, reading the Bible and how we are walking with God, but it'll also show what we didn't do. Did we reach out to your neighbor as you've talked about, Len? Um, did you, did we, who did we witness to? So that's a, that's a really um, important thing to numbering our days is as you've both, as you've all said, is really looking at what, how do we use that? And, um, so that really helps us to follow on to Denise, um, of how does seeking God with our whole heart involve the law of God? Sure. This is a, a really interesting question. And I want to, um, preface it by saying that God really seeks us. I don't think that in our natural human state we automatically seek for God, but he seeks out us and sees what our response is. And in in John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, hmm. keep commandments. So we've got this, this two-phase um, relationship with God. If we love him, that means we reach out to him, we respond to him when he uh, reaches out to us, we pray to him, we read his word, we want a relationship with him. And because of that, it says in Psalms um, 119 verse 2, blessed are they who keep his statutes or his laws and seek him with all their heart. And if we go to Deuteronomy 10 verse 12 says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands. So um, God doesn't say you have to keep the law and then love me because we can't we can't do that in our own strength. We need to uh, have a relationship with God. And um, I wanted to talk about to what in the Bible what the word heart refers to. Mm. It refers to the mind or the inward self where there are feelings, emotions, and where thinking occurs. So this whole relationship, uh, loving God and keeping his law, which it says that he writes it upon our hearts, uh, which means when we invite him into our life, he gives us the power to be able to keep his commandments. But we've got to get it in the right order because man is incapable of any real goodness apart from his faith in God and the power that God gives him, so that vital connection. And then if we look at um, Hebrews 8 verse 10, it says, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And the last text I'd like to look at is in Philippians, and it's Philippians 2 verse 13, and it says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So without a relationship with God, without inviting him into our lives, we don't have a hope of keeping his law. We don't. And what's amazing is that all of those texts that you've been saying, um, in terms of David's Psalms, especially that you mentioned at the beginning, um, we have an incredible bank of, of knowledge and, and wisdom from God right there to tell us how do we do that? How do we seek God? What does it mean to seek God with our whole heart? And, um, and how that involves in the law, exactly as you said, Denise, that when, 
we don't go around keeping the law. We What we do is we love God and it naturally flows because we want to be with him. And when we're with him, when we have a relationship, those things naturally follow. Just like if you were to marry someone that you love, you will naturally want to be with them. You will naturally, if you suddenly married somebody and, and uh, fell in love and then you there's the honeymoon, but you said, oh, no, I'm not going to go, would it be like, well, what? So being able to be have a relationship with God and in the Psalms, there's so many wonderful clues there. Um, because David, as, as we know, walked with God, but he also sinned like we do. And, uh, but then he, he wrote that he came back to God and he wrote these beautiful Psalms, which is very real for us. Um, I think, uh, in Psalms 119, there are a whole lot of verses there. Verse 12, it says, I will praise you, O Lord. Only teach me your ways and help me to obey. Look at that. So if we praise him, and we ask, we say, God, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? But we have to have that willingness. And a lot of it is, that's exactly it. It's surrender. Teach me is saying, you know, as teachers, we know, you know, if you're teachable, then, then we're halfway there. So if we say, God, I have no idea. Can you help me? So the willingness, and if you don't feel you have the willingness, we can pray for that too with our whole heart. Thank you, Denise. That, that was really beautiful. Just go on with the question. Seeking God with the whole heart. Mm. Jesus made a comment about himself, how in he in his life he said, If you love me, keep my commandments as I have kept my father's commandments. Now some people stop at the point and say, Well, I I do what Jesus wants me to do, I love everybody. But in the same breath, they say, well, God's law is gone. It's been abolished. Mm. But Jesus said, no, you follow, you keep my commandments as I have kept my father's commandments. And Jesus is our example. So part of seeking God with a whole heart is, of course, to obey him. Mm. And I think a lot of people forget that bit. But God has put those commandments there as a protection for society, protection that we give due honour to whoever it is, to God or our fellow man. Mm. And uh, some people say, well, they're gone. But that's a load of rubbish. And there are a couple of texts in the New Testament, which I've referred to before, which say it's our duty is to keep God's commandments. Mm. So to see God with our whole heart involves doing something in obeying him. Mm. Beautiful. And, Joe, you had a question or something you wanted to share. Yeah, look, uh, I'm just reading from Jeremiah 29, 13. It's a, it's a verse with a promise. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God promises to be found when we're serious about looking for him. Um, when we reach out to him unreservedly, he promises that he will be found. That's wonderful. And the fact that you said, um, when you seek me and uh, with all your heart, you will find me. And Denise just said before that God will write on our hearts. Isn't that interesting that he writes his promises and then if we seek with the heart, which is where he's given us wisdom, I think there's something really, really profound there. Yes, Len. 
I forget the exact reference. I think it's in Hebrews, but I'm not sure about this. God says, look, I don't care about the blood of bulls and goats and making all these sacrifices. What I want is your heart. In other words, to have this relationship with you where you trust me and you follow what I command. Isn't that wonderful? And it's interesting, like, you know, when you give someone your whole heart, you get married, right? That's what you do. Um, so, uh, and I'm interested the fact that God writes his words on our hearts. And for Nick, I'd love to ask you the question, how does the guarding of our words, and we talked about the words on the heart, how does the guarding of our words help to keep us close to God, but keep the devil away? Well, uh, Naomi, that's a great question. And, uh, Again, it's wonderful to see that in the book of Psalms, we have so much wisdom mm. that um, it answers to many of our questions. Mm. You know, if I turn to Psalm 141, uh, for example, this is beautiful, the whole uh, Psalm. Mm -hmm. But in verse 3, I'm reading from New Living Translation. In verse 3, it says here, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Somebody, you know, uh, said, um, you know, lips or the, the tongue could be like a wildfire, which is very hard to, to control. But David, it's uh, praying to God. And uh, by the way, just the, the Psalm 141, it's a prayer for protection from temptation from within and from without. The psalmist is not only endangered by the schemes of the wicked, but also is tempted to act, act like the wicked. The first uh, weak point is self-control in speech, and the psalmist prayed that the Lord will keep watching over uh, the door of his lips. And this image alludes to the guarding of the city gates that in biblical times protected the city. And um, Naomi, we can see and show a lot of wickedness mm -hmm. through the words, to yes. what we say. Mm -hmm. uh, but the psalmist continue here um, in this psalm talking about the wicked, how uh, they... Um, they live the life and we can be sometime tempted. And if we look into um, some other verses in this psalm, that we are invited not to sit with the wicked mm -hmm. and to, to even enjoy, as the psalm says, the delicacies. Yeah. Uh, but to be, yeah, to, to watch over what we say, what we do and how we interact with people, in particular those people who don't want to know God or about God, because we can be easily uh, sidetracked for our direction, mm -hmm. as you just pointed out, uh, all of you, before that um, to really have wisdom is to walk with yes. God. That was a really good point that you were making, Nick. And um, Denise, I'd like to ask you, in terms of David's Psalms and the wonderful, wonderful um, promises that are there in God's word. What do our trials teach us? 
Well, when I look at David's trials and the trials of some other people in the Bible, like Joseph and Job, um, trials teach us to trust God more. Um, God sometimes sends tests to see if we'll trust him or whether we're going to trust ourselves or whether those trials harden our hearts or soften our hearts and lead us to God. And even when we don't solve trials or are able to rise above them, if we call upon God, he promises to rescue us. In Psalms 81.7, he says, In your distress you called and I rescued you. I answered you out of a thundercloud. Also in um, Psalm 66.10-12, to 12, uh, it says, For you, oh, praise our, sorry, verse 8 to 12. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. And we went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. So we have reference to the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Um, there's a reference that even though we go through trials, God is our strength. He promises to be with us. Um, the Hebrew word for tested conveys a sense of purging, refining or purifying. And in um, Psalm 66 there we have the reference to refining us like silver. Um, so God's purpose, when I think about Joseph, um, in testing Joseph's faith was to remove any doubt in God's promises and to strengthen Joseph's trust in God's guidance. We also have in Job 23 verse 10, uh, it says, but he knows the way that I take when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Mm. So trials can do one of two things. They can either help us to rebel against God and say, God's not with us. Where's God? We don't want to follow him. Or it can strengthen our faith in God if we reach out to him. That was wonderful, Denise. Thank you. And, um, you know, God, in his wisdom, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, cause the, the trials that come into our lives. What he does do is, is he, he permits some of them to happen. Satan causes the evil in the world, but sometimes God may permit them because then we can actually grow from that. Like you said, Denise, of, of being tried in the fire and, and being as, as gold, as gold threads. So we, it's really important to know that and to go back to David's Psalms because he had real trials that we can, we can relate to or we can at least see that he wasn't just a perfect person. So he had trials. But what it did, it it uh, it brought him to his knees. It humbled him because he was not a humble man. So I, I really implore you all and encourage you all to go to David's Psalms and read them because there really is heartfelt sadness and grief and and uh, and then joy because he's found God. Um, I particularly liked how you said that um, the that the heart of God is can be found. Um, when we read the Psalms. So, Nick, um, I'll just come to you now. My dear friend uh, listening uh, today, uh, I would love you to have a book which we we prepared for you. And this is actually a series of Bible studies. The book is called What the Bible Says About. This is by Len- Lonnie Melashenko. And you just need to send us a text message to 048209. Triple eight three. And the code for this book is SABS3. 
SA stands for South Australia, BS for Bible study, number three. Again, the code SABS3. Please send a text message to 0482098383. Another point about um, trials and God allowing and permitting trials or some trials, I would, I would go as far as to say that many of the trials that we experience are brought on by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We make choices that aren't right and then we experience the consequences. Now, this is not God testing us. This is, um, we know with David, uh, God did not tempt him with Bathsheba. David tempted himself and then he followed the impulses of his own heart and then he got himself into an awful lot of trouble and suffering. Mm-hmm. But this is not God, that wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's will for David to fall and be such a poor example to his own family and his nation. Mm. And yet a lot of the trials that happen to us are not just accidents or, you know, they are a consequence of the choices that we make. And if we walked with God, we would make fewer of these poor choices. The closer we walk to God, the uh Hopefully that would be reflected in the choices that we make because God won't protect us from the consequences. That's wonderful, Joe. And I'll just come to you, Len, in a moment just to say to Joe that that is really wonderful. That if we, we, if we've got come to a crossroads and we go left, but God actually wanted us to go right, he will help us with that. But as you said, it's not his original plan. We often have that saying, you know, it's plan A, but if we don't, that doesn't work. We've got to go to plan B. Well, God, had plan A, but he's had to now to go plan B because we quite often struggle and instead of going right, we go left. Yes, Len? Well, in addition to what Joe was saying, if you don't want to get bitten by a shark, don't swim where the sharks are. If you don't want to be bitten by a snake, keep out of the snake pits. Mm. In other words, when we sometimes put ourselves in compromising situations, that's when we uh, can be tempted and and fall. Mm. So the idea is to keep yourself away from those things. Jesus said, be in the world, Mm. but not of the world. Mm. So we can't avoid being in the world because Mm -hmm. we were born here. Mm. It doesn't mean to say we have to take on the culture, the the beliefs that surrounds us. We are to be a separate, holy people. Instead of just going along with what everybody else does, that we should set examples in our own lives that other people can follow. Yes. Now, me having been an educator for many years, I'm very aware of this. I, th- I believe that it's the duty of educators to set the culture rather than to just follow the culture. Well, as there's that saying, you know, are you the, the thermostat or the thermometer? So, you know, one measures the heat, the heat, the temperature, and the other actually sets it. So we should all be setting it for sure. And we have to think about, I, I, I think about a, a minister who spoke to me a while ago about he was counselling a, a man who, a lovely Christian man, and he'd had, um, unfortunately, two divorces, and um, they had a discussion and um they talked about the fact that um god god can can help you regarding regarding relationships and he said to him where are you meeting 
these wives and they were both in places that we wouldn't normally go into into a bar and he said well maybe come back to church and perhaps you'll meet someone in church so our going left or going right um is really set by by God but God as you said um Len and Joe that God will actually help us through that trial and that will strengthen us but he didn't actually intend for there to be that trial i'd like to now um come back to you len and i'd really love to know about righteousness so and i'd like to know what does that mean as christians what does righteous living mean for us as christians and how do we allow this into our lives okay well this is a double barreled question mhm so i'll try and fire the first barrel first Thank you. Yes, the second one <laughs> I have to speak personally. Mm. Righteous living for me. What does it mean for me as a Christian? Well, I think it's wonderful to feel that one is pure, that you don't have this extra baggage hanging on you or over you or something like that. To, to feel pure and know that you're doing right is a really good feeling and you know that you're pleasing God. And I have to say too that in a life, in my life as a committed Christian, I have peace. I know there's trouble all around and trouble comes my way too. I was just telling some people this morning about the situation that we have with our property that we lease out. And uh, I, d I have peace. I still have to deal with these things, but there's peace in it. Also, my life is filled with hope. I know that Jesus is coming back again. He promised. And he promised that those who are faithful will um, be able to have eternal life. So I have that hope. And there's one other thing. Personally, I feel free, free of uh, debilitating habits or something like that. All those things, it's really good, and I can recommend it. Now, that's the first answer. The second part of the question that you asked me was how do we allow righteous living into our lives. Mm. I'd like to say this. What we do in our lives is due to our own personal choices. Every day we make hundreds and hundreds of choices. So what we do with our lives involves choices. And uh, this thing about how do we allow righteous living into our lives involves choices. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 21. One who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness and honour. And there are a number of other texts, and I'd like to uh, quote Matthew 6 verse 33, the words of Jesus. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. So it means making an active choice to do what is right, to seek righteousness. So how do we go about that? Well, choice number one, 
is to choose to live our lives with integrity. Secondly, we choose to do things that are righteous. Thirdly, to choose to speak the truth in our hearts and out of our mouths. And fourthly, choose not to slander anybody else. Mm. My mother, I, and she's dead now, but I looked up to her very much because she always chose the positive. She left the negative. There were lots of negatives in her life, not to do payback. And, and mm. um, I've quoted this on when somebody does something on the road that causes us some inconvenience, that we don't give them the finger or we don't try and cut them off or any of those silly things. We choose not to do that. Our words and our actions should always exemplify grace. In other words, we should choose to live as God would have us live. Another one is to despise evil. Another one is to honour those who fear the Lord, to keep our words, to be generous, and to be guided, of course, by God's word and the Holy Spirit. It all comes down to choice. If you don't, if you choose to live another way, well, righteous living will be very difficult. Mm. And I, uh, I love the way you said that, Len, about the words exemplify grace, because that actually links back to what we've been saying earlier that Denise and Joe discussed. Because God writes His words on our heart, so if we have a relationship with Him, then our words will be His. And you know, I often think how difficult it is. Um, if you don't have God and you don't have that relationship because the trials will always be there, the world is the way it is, but if we walk with him, we will have that ability then. When I was a child in primary school, going to and fro in the school bus, we had to go about 32 kilometres from where I lived to school, there and back each day, 64 kilometres, and... Um, a lot of the kids in the school bus, they used to swear. Mm. I didn't like that. So I made a pact with myself not to swear. And one day, unconsciously, I said a swear word. You know, I was very disappointed in myself, even as a kid. Mm. And I've always made it a habit. My active choice was not to use swear words. And it irks me when I hear other people saying F this, F that, and F the other thing. It, it's not necessary. So I've felt happy mm. that I made that choice when I was a kid not to swear. Mm. Wonderful. And it is choices. Yes, um, you'd like to say something, Nick? Yes, and uh, I uh, at this stage um, I was thinking I hope that we have uh, another hour to talk about because mm -hmm. uh, what Len was talking about um, living a righteous life uh, and thank you Len for sharing from your own uh, mm -hmm. experience you know uh, telling about yourself that's wonderful someone may think right now and maybe even uh, pointed to us and my dear friend listening today, you can send a text message if you, ha if you have a question or a mm. thought. Somebody may think of Romans chapter 3. 
verses 10 and 12. And it says here, there is no one righteous, mm. not even one. Mm. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together became worthless. There is no one who does good, mm. not even one. It's wonderful, what would we say when we read something like that from the Bible? Mm. I would like to draw the attention of each one of us and mm -hmm. you, my dear friend, listening today, mm -hmm. that God's righteousness is covering us. Yes. As Martin Luther, one of the great reformers, he was a very faithful man and he wanted to please God by doing good deeds. And he was... He was challenged when he walked up those stairs in, uh, in uh, St. Peter Basilic in Rome. And the words came into his mind from the book of Romans that the righteous will live by his faith. So we are righteous because God, Jesus, covers us with his righteousness, not because we do good things, but because we have Jesus on our side, we do good things. As he says in, uh, in the Bible, um, beloved, you know, uh, uh, disciple of Jesus writes down, says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's why we do the good things, because we understand God's love in our life. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Thank you, Nick. Now, I'd like to come to Joe, and we really want to look. I just want to ask you some questions about I particularly love Psalms 128 that says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thy hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Isn't that a beautiful promise? It shall be well with thee. So, Joe, I'd like to ask you, what blessings does God want for us? and particularly for you, that you might want to share with us? And secondly, to just think about how do we commit to allow God to bless us? Mm, and very good questions. Well, Psalm 128 is another one of these song of ascents that people sang as they approached uh, Jerusalem for the holy feasts and um, to you know, prepare their hearts to meet God. Blessed are all who fear the Lord and who walk in obedience to him. Well, one might ask, well, how, how blessed are they? Well, blessed means to be happy. Happy are they. And uh, the psalm goes on to describe how the blessings of the Lord play out in the life of those who obey God. So in verse 2 we have, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Sounds pretty good to me. Well, this is... This one is a, a promise that you'll enjoy the success of your efforts. They are yours. And this harkens back to Deuteronomy 28 and Isaiah 65, verse 22, where it says, No longer will they build houses for others to inhabit, nor plant for others to eat. For as is the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people and my chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. So God intends us to be there to enjoy the success of our endeavors. Then in verse 3, it continues. 
Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. This might seem a little out of place in our modern society. You know, people be saying, oh, this is this and this is that. But it's a promise that your family life will be blessed with health, vigor and joy. And it is a scene of domesticity, a happy family sitting around a table enjoying the food they have been blessed with. Now, food is something that we take for granted. You know, if we're growing a veggie garden uh, and our tomato plants die or our veggie garden fails, we might just shrug our shoulders and go out to the supermarket and bring back what we need. But in those days, there was no supermarket. If your crop wasn't successful, you may not have anything to eat, you know, and I guess this is, you know, how often do we thank God, truly thank God for our food supply? Not long ago, there was a panic over toilet paper, we might remember. (laughs) God promises that even in a time of want, he will provide for those who look to him. And um, I'd like to read Psalm 37, 23. The steps of good men are directed by the Lord. He delights in each step they take. If they fall, it isn't fatal, for the Lord holds them with his hand. And verse 25, I have been young and now I am old, and in all my years I have never seen the Lord forsake a man or a woman who loves him, nor have I seen the children of the godly go hungry. Instead, the godly are able to be generous with their gifts and loans to others, and their children are a blessing. And that's from the Living Bible. Ultimately, the greatest blessing of the Lord comes in following him and living according to his principles. And even if times are hard, and we know that um, there is eternity that awaits us, mm-hmm a joy that God has prepared for those who love him, which mind cannot even conceive or imagine. So we have a taste of it now and, and a promise of a new heaven, a new earth. And um, and God's not interested in just giving us a good time here on earth. He wants, he's got that eternal perspective mm-hmm. and he's looking out for us with heaven in mind. Now, the Psalm, Psalm 128 finishes off with, May the Lord's bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. So we're looking now not just blessing on the family, mm. but on the, on the city, on the town, on the nation. You know, may you live to see your children's children and peace be on Israel. You know, there's a lot of, there's a want of peace in the, in the world. And one of the greatest blessings of walking with God is peace. Mm. Even in troubled times, as you said, Len, peace and tranquility is not something that we can generate ourselves. It is a gift. And it might come to your mind that Jesus, those words of Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, Mm. not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We all look for peace and happiness, but happiness is not determined by one's physical and financial condition, but by one's spiritual condition. It's much more than good feelings. It's a state of mind that includes notions of blessedness, flourishing, welfare, thriving, prosperity, and overall holistic well-being. God desires that for us. Now, experiencing this joy is dependent on how closely 
we align ourselves with God and his ways, walking with him, obeying him. And I think we've touched on that very well t- um, today. Uh, we need to remember, though, that there's no other no other source of genuine happiness. Mm. God is very concerned about his creatures and what they're doing and what they're feeling, and he wants to open the floodgates of heaven. So let's open our hearts to receive him. You know there's a promise that we won't regret it. The, the uh, promises of Psalm 128, just a, just a, in a nutshell, but it shows that God is very concerned in our families, in our day-to-day life, and those whom our lives touch and the community that we live in. And so he wants us to have peace and happiness and blessedness. Mm. Wonderful. Very sweet, very nice to consider. It's wonderful. It's such a, a great promise, a, such a great hope for us. And it's there for us to take it, as as you've said, Joe. That you know, we're walking with God, we will have peace. And so we need to remember that our part in it, which is to walk with God. As I talked earlier about relationships, who do you talk to first in the morning? Do you get out your phone? Do you text someone? Are you you know what are what are we doing? So we need to, you know, you you wouldn't suddenly visit a stranger across the road on Christmas morning and say, where's my Christmas presents? You you have a relationship with all the people that you may spend time with on your birthday or Christmas. And uh, so it, we can't expect uh, it just to be a one-way street. We do need to have God in our heart and to walk, to have that peace. Thanks for that, Jo. So um, let's go to our last question. I'd really like to um, get everybody's um, discussion on this one. If there's a particular verse you'd like to go to, or a particular um, a particular way of um, looking at this discussion, what decisions did David decide to write about to help us always be faithful to our God? Psalm 118, verse eight. David writes, "It is better to take." refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. So here he's simply pointing that we should make our focus in life, Lord. And then I'm going to share Psalm 141, verse 3. He says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, my choice is to speak truth and here he's appealing to the lord to help him in that choice and i think both of those things are well worth everyone considering as a life application for me is that wisdom for righteous living is gained through the dynamics of life with god amid temptations and challenges so we we need wisdom, God's wisdom, in the in the practical knowledge that prepares us to live a mature and godly life in the home, at work, with our co-workers, in our neighborhood, and wherever we we go and in whatever we do. Mm-hmm. So God e- equips us with His principles to guide us, to um, make right choices and wise 
choices. That's so good. And I think that really sums up what we've been talking about, doesn't it? Yes, I think also um, David's his own experiences are an object lesson for us. And many, there are many instances in scripture where we see the mistakes that people have made and how it's panned out, not just for that generation, but future generations. And this helps us, um, uh, to be faithful to our God, knowing that this is not going to end well. Mm. Let me take that the Lord's path. Exactly. And so we want to have, we already have God's words written in our heart. He's already given us that as a promise. We know if we walk with him, we will have wisdom and we must go to the word of God and read it every morning and pray. And that way we will have the words that God wants us to say to others. And then we serve him. And by serving him, we will then bring other people to know what we know because they don't know. And if you don't have hope, we know that you have hopelessness. And we really want to put that on our hearts of everyone today to serve God. And you can go, well, what can I do? But if you... Go to the word of God and pray. God will put on your heart what it is. It could be delivering some food to your neighbor or just letting someone in in traffic, as Len was talking about before. But we must every day serve him by praying and coming close to him. You can't know him. You can't know anyone without talking to them first. And I'll quote something that I heard yesterday that Mark Finlay was saying when on this particular um, study, um, he was saying that apple trees do not produce apples to become apple trees. Apple trees produce apples because they are apple trees. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll just say that again. Apple trees do not produce apples to become apple trees. Apple trees produce apples because they are apple trees. So if we walk with Jesus every day, walk with God every day, we will have that righteousness as Christians should. And then by their fruits, you shall know them with the quote from the Bible that we will actually emulate God. And so I'll leave that with you all today because this, this is such a wonderful study that we can do. And there's many other questions I'm sure you have listeners. So I'll invite you at any time to text us. And, uh, what's that number, Nick? Would you like to give us that again? Sure. The number is uh, 048209 Well, thank you so much, Naomi, first of all, for um, leading us and, you know, uh, facilitating this discussion. We could have said much more on this because I believe uh, if, as Christians, we are interested in living a righteous life. Now, we understood today that um, wisdom needs to come from our relationship with God because the wisdom of this world may not be the right one, even though we are um, sometimes interested to gain so much knowledge and information. But I'd like to say, in addition, just this uh, little thing here. Because in the New Testament, you know, describes in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, or in Matthew, Jesus spoke quite a bit about this. Um, it, it describes the hope in Christ. And that's because of his promise to come again, the second coming. Because we are here to live wisely, not because of this planet Earth, but because of the promise in the new kingdom God prepares for us. My dear friend listening today, I think this is the whole matter of all things that we need to prepare, like Abraham. 
leaving his place and maybe comfort in his time and being a peregrine, awaiting for the kingdom of God. And he lived to be righteous. Job, God called him a righteous man. David and so many others. My name may be there when God will share over eternity about you and me and saying, have you seen my righteous child? And put your name there if you like. But you need to be connected with God. As I said, we can go over on this one, but our time is up for today. Please remember that you still can claim the offer which we have for today. And that's the book, What the Bible Says About. This book comprehends about 30 Bible studies written by Loni Melashenko. And the number where you can claim this book is 0482093883. The code is SABS3. SA stands for South Australia, BS for Bible study at number three. All right. Well, uh, looking forward to catch up with you again next time when we are going to look at blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I would like to, just before we close here now, if Len, you could uh, say a word of prayer. Yes, listeners, shall we pray together? Oh, God. As we read the Psalms, we hear about the troubles, the laments, and the um, repentance of some of those people who lived long ago. We also read of their heart's desires to reach out to you. Lord, I pray that we as the panel and everyone listening to this program might wish to reach out to you and do as Jesus said, that um, to make first, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Might this be our life experience? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope to hear from you next time. Until then, may God richly bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.